Today's topic, which is the introduction to the one month, is Sex, Magic, and Death in the Bible. Let's start at the very beginning. Who is Dr. Sharon Keller? Well, uh, Sharon set her sights on a PhD in Bible and Egyptology when she was in sixth grade, which is very impressive, and steadfastly worked toward that goal, earning her doctorate at NYU in the Department of Hebrew and Judaic Studies in the area of Bible uh, and the ancient Near East. She's currently on the Classics faculty at Hofstra University, where she teaches courses as diverse as women in the Hebrew Bible, magic, miracle, and medicine in the ancient world, and Greco-Roman comedy. She has been an assistant professor of Bible and ancient Semitic languages at the Jewish Theological Seminary and the Hebrew Union College. She has also held appointments at NYU and New York, New York City's Hunter College, teaching biblical text courses and more general courses of biblical literature and history, as well as uh, courses in art and archaeology of the lands of the Bible in the ancient Mediterranean world. She has written and edited numerous scholarly articles and academic books, most of which relate to the interplay between biblical Israel and ancient Egypt. Her most popular book, Jews, a Treasury of Art and Literature, was awarded the prestigious National Jewish Book Award. And I will tell you, I tried to order it, but it's like $10,000. What, what's the deal? It's not affordable, right? Is it out of print now? Okay, used bookstores, I tried on Amazon, it's like $400, but yeah. Did anybody try to buy the book? Okay, your homework assignment for tonight, try to buy the book and tell me how much you have to pay. Um, a native New Yorker, which I think you'll be able to tell very quickly, Sharon is known for the enthusiasm and humor that she brings to all of her talks that make otherwise esoteric subjects easily accessible. So with that... Welcome to Orange County. As opposed to traditional one-month scholars, I have some gifts for her already. So you'll have to just stick around real quick. Don't run. I think you'll enjoy it. And we also, on behalf of Orange County, we want to thank her for bringing the flood, the biblical flood, flood waters with her. Sharon will not see the sun for four weeks. <laughs> anyway, that's it for the intro. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ari, darling, you took my notes with you. You took my notes with you. Well, I can't do that. You'll be like... Well, you'll you can do it. I just... Well, yeah. No, it's just... Okay. I don't use, I don't use I them. I just have them. I mean, my notes start with the word welcome. <laughs> See, it's because I have to follow my notes. Welcome! <laughs> and thank you so much for a lovely introduction. And I really am very excited to be here uh, with you tonight and for the month. And I do feel rather powerful for bringing the storms. I am the drought buster. I am woman, hear me roar. Um... Okay, our topic for this evening is sex, magic, and death in the Bible and its world. Let's start at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start. <laughs> it's a problem when I teach because I try to teach with lyrics from musical comedies and from songs of the 40s and the 30s and the 40s, and the majority of my students don't have a clue. Um, I do hope you will have a clue. Let me just ask you, total non sequitur, how many of you are coming to New York? I'm with CSP. With CSP. With See, what? What am I doing? Keep doing, you going to make it farther away? <laughs> just make it go away. Yes, put your hands up. Very nice. Make sure that at some point in this month I actually learn your name. It'll be hard, but work on me because it'll be fun. I'll be with you for a lot of it, and it's, it's a dynamite trip. I'm really looking forward to it. Okay, so... Let's start at the very beginning. We have here a picture of 
Breshit because it's the beginning and I couldn't resist putting it up there. It's the first book of the Bible. We're going to start with the Bible, not really. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about the Bible. We're going to talk about the world in which the Bible was created. We're going to talk about the ecumen, the environment of the biblical world. Because really to understand the Bible and to understand aspects of the Bible as an ancient text, you need to understand the world in which it was created. So in this month, I'm not going to be saying the word Rashi. In this, well, except for now, <laughs> or when I'm saying I'm not saying it, I'm not going to say the tradition teaches, I'm not going to say we believe, and I'm rarely, if ever, going to say the word Jew. Because the Bible isn't peopled by Jews. The Bible, if anything, is peopled by Hebrews at one point, Israelites at another point. Jews come in in the Talmudic period when we have the religion that we associate with Judaism. Right? So the biblical period, the biblical peer people aren't Jews per se. So we just need to know some of that going in. And there's a lot today that's sort of setting the groundwork for what we're going to do for the rest of the month. My challenge for today was to come up with something that would give you enough, but also keeping you wanting more, because I want you to come to other talks. So therefore, we're going to start with sex. That was a joke. If it sounds like a joke, it is a joke, even if it took you a long time. <laughs> even if you don't think that it's funny. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I don't know which way is forward and which way is back. We're going to have to try. Okay, I'm map crazy. So we're going to have a couple of maps. And the reason that I do maps is that we don't really associate things in a timeline or in a map world. The biblical world is temporally long and geographically huge. The Bible and its stories, the Bible and its laws, the Bible and its people, the Bible and its customs, etc., etc., interacts with the entirety of its ancient world. It's not from a particular time period. You can't necessarily say, what was it then? Because that then is very long. That then progresses over time. So we're going to be looking at things and discussing things that cover a large amount of time and that really cover the entire Mediterranean basin. So this is a standard map that I always use because it gives you a sort of a large understanding all the way from the Mediterranean, if we had Greece in there. And it gives you the names of many of the cities into Mesopotamia. And the next map is just nice too. So I couldn't decide which map to use. You know, you no longer have to use film, so it doesn't matter. You can put up as many pictures as you want. And <laughs> that's really how I feel, I feel about it. This, of course, gives you a particular time period, which is about 700 BCE. I couldn't uh, change the Christian aspect of some of my slides, so we're just going with it. And this gives you the Assyrian Empire, which is a major empire during the biblical time period. And this really is the world of the first composition of the text that we have. 
Okay, so the general theme that we're talking about today is sex, magic, and death. They're all really interesting. Some of them are fun. Some of them are inevitable, okay? But they seem very, and you can figure out which is which on your own. <laughs> um, okay, or don't. I, there, there are going to be many things that we're going to discuss where I'm, I'm not going to want you to necessarily picture, or if you picture, just don't tell me about it. They, just wait, you'll see. Um, these topics seem disparate to us. They don't seem to necessarily connect. There's not a huge tie that binds. Again, there's a phrase from the movies. Okay? But there is a thread. There is a thread that holds it together. And that's what we're going to be looking at throughout tonight and to some extent throughout this month of learning together. Um, what the thread is or aspects of this thread are power and control. We can see how that works in some of those, and we can't see how it works in others. Magic is, a, the sex part you can figure out on your own. The magic is an attempt to control aspects of the world in which we live. It's a, an attempt to control outcomes. It's an attempt to control uh, the environment on some level. Right? And again, the same thing works with power. And the death, you need to have control over death, not necessarily when you die, but what happens when you die. And that's a theme that we're going to see throughout our month together. If you don't take care of the dead properly, all heck breaks loose. We've made some of that go away to some extent in our world, but most assuredly in the ancient world, this is a very, very large thought. Okay. It's also control of the universe. I like little things that fly. So sometimes when I have words, they fly. Um, I'm a fifth grader when it comes to PowerPoints. Right. Control of the universe. Right. Magic does that. And again, how we interact with death does that, okay? And control of information, that's the God piece. Basically, control of it all. And that's the sort of the large basting thread that puts most of it together. So again, I said, let's start with the very beginning, a very good place to start. We are familiar with this picture. Right? It's the Sistine Chapel ceiling, of course, and what has happened here is something that happens in our brains all the time. We conflate the two stories of creation that we have in the first two chapters of Genesis, and I have some text that we'll be reading in a few moments. We have conflated two stories here. The, story, the first story where God says, Na'ase Adam, let us make humans. And there the only way to translate the word Adam is human. Right? So you've got the whoever the hell they are for the, the us, the let us. Right? That, that's the us. Okay? Make human. But here in this picture... He's making Adam, right? Adam doesn't come along until the second story of creation. 
Right? But we do this in our heads, and you ask people all the time, and whenever I teach, and I teach the, the, uh, the beginning of Genesis, whether I'm teaching this in a secular class on ancient literature, or I'm teaching it in rabbinical school um, at either HUC or JTS, and you say, how long did it take the Kaddish Brocha? How long did it take God to create the world? Invariably, they say seven days. So if that's your first correction, because it's six days, seventh day rest, but they all say seven days, right? I love it in rabbinical school. And then you say, who is, what's the name of the first person created? And they say, Adam. Now that's the second story, right? And everybody puts the two stories together. If you don't know about what I speak, you will within 15 minutes. I guarantee it. If you don't, then it's, you've, you've been asleep. Okay, so it's very hard to find Jewish um, illuminated manuscripts. So the most of my uh, most of my images of biblical images, of course, are going to be uh, Christian. But this one is <laughs> this one is Jewish, and that's really the only reason I put it up there because I actually had a Bible story with a Hebrew text underneath it from a medieval illumination, right. and it's. Uh, you can see that it's in, in the uh, British Library. Ooh, wrong button, don't look, right? It's Adam and Eve and the serpent, which looks very much like a monkey to me, <laughs> right? Because that shows that Darwin really created the world. <laughs> God, you got that one, thank God. Okay. And again, we're going to talk about it, but here you have, you know, and we're going to get to this, because here you have the nudity and you have the sex, and we're going to get into the whole aspect of all of this with the power. But it's sort of interesting to me, and we'll talk about it a little bit, or maybe in a couple of days, that it seems to me that these fig leaves are attached with Velcro. Okay, and it seems to me that, you know, it's, it's just interesting the way people envision the whole thing. Everybody gets one fig leaf, Eve has long hair, it's goes down the front usually, nobody's walking backwards. There are all sorts of, there are all sorts of issues that you have, and, it, it, and these are artistic issues. These aren't things in the text, which is really what's so wonderful. We have it in our mind's eye, we can create it, it's not there. Okay, now, don't go in the wrong direction. Point at that thing. All right, so again we have Adam and Eve. Here they're being taken from or thrown out of the garden. We're going to talk about the special tree. And then we have Cain and Abel, and that's, of course, murder, uh, and that's, of course, death. And I have never in my life spoken about Cain and Abel, and I don't intend to start doing that now. It's not an interesting story to me. So we're not going to, when we talk about death and the like, we're not going to talk about Cain and Abel, but they came with the picture, so that's what we talked about. Okay. I could have cropped, <laughs> but I didn't. Okay, so now here's the problem. I have to read this out loud to you. All right, so it's, it's just Bible for those of us who are listening to it on a podcast. All right? And it starts at Genesis 1. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it this way. Hold on. I'm going to read it from the Bible because it's the same translation. I should realize that Genesis 1 is going to be the very first page. Don't count this as much time against me. I still have 45 minutes not counting this. Usually I have you down at the computer next to you and you can sort of see your screen. Okay, so I'm starting there with 9, uh, 111. Okay. 
So now we've got to find it here. Um, all right, I'm going to start a little before that because that's where I'm beginning here. Um, and God said, let the water below. That's too early. Okay. Uh, let the earth sprout vegetation. Yes, very good. Let the earth sprout vegetation, seed-bearing plants, fruit trees of every kind on the earth that bear fruit with, seed, with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, seed-bearing plants of every kind, seeds of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. I probably took out the fourth day. Yeah, I did. Okay, fourth day creates time. I'm just talking about things that will reproduce. I'm going to do it this way again. It's easier. Sorry, excuse my back. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and birds that fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. And God created the great sea monsters and all the living creatures of every kind that creep. And the waters brought forth in swarms and uh, winged birds of every kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, being fruitful, being be fertile and increase and fill the waters of the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and morning a fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth every kind of living creature, cattle, creepy things, beastie things of every kind. And it was so, I shortened things. And God made the beasties of every kind and cattle of every kind and all the kinds of creepy crawly things on the earth. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make humans in our image after our likeness. That was the image we saw before, and they shall rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the cattle and the whole earth and all the creeping things that creep upon the earth, right? Let us make humans in our image and they shall, right? It's not man, it, male, it's man, humans, right? Um, and they shall rule over everything. And God created human in his image, the image of the God. He created him male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fertile and increase and fill the earth and master it, and rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and all the living things that creep on the earth. Okay, what you have here is a totality of the world, right? the universe, everything that's created. And it's marvelous because then God rests on the seventh day and blah, blah, blah. Right? And the world goes on a cycle. Right? You can have the Lion King song here if you'd like. Right? The circle or cycle of life, and it keeps moving along. Right? God doesn't have to act in it every day. And that's a huge issue when you're thinking about it in an ancient context. Because in an ancient context, all the other gods have to actively act for the world to keep going. So when the moon goddess in Greek mythology hooks up with this guy that she likes, and she's in a cave, and she's spending a lot of time in the cave with this guy, all the other gods get mad because nobody's schlepping the moon across the sky every night. Schlepping is a Greek term. Right? Nobody's schlepping the ancient Greek, it's Attic. The, the moon across the sky every night because she's in the cave hooking up. Okay? It's a great story. And they really get mad at her. And they say, look, lady, you know, go back to work. Okay? And she has to. In our story, the Kaddish Baruch Hu, God sits back, right? kicks off her high heels because, Lord, those shoes are tough, and sits down, puts up his feet, and rests. The world keeps going. The world keeps going. How cool is that? That's huge. But in order for the world to keep going, everything that's created has to be created so that it too can keep going. So when you plant a, what did I eat, a dragon fruit? 
When you plant a dragon fruit, thank you, when you, uh, when you plant, I don't know what a dragon fruit grows on, but when you plant a dragon fruit, tree, bush, flower thing, right? It's not going to give you figs, right? Why? Because it's a dragon fruit. Oh, Sharon, you're so stupid. No, that's not why. It's because God makes everything with the seed in it of its own type. Oh, and when, oh. And when, you, and when you put together a bunny rabbit and a bunny rabbit, you don't get a chicken. Easter is weird, because you got Easter bunnies and Easter eggs, okay? So that's strange, but other than Easter bunnies and Easter eggs, when you put, I'm not wrong. <laughs> okay, other than that, when you put two bunnies together, you don't get eggs, right? You get bunnies. That's because of that. And when you create humans, right? Male and female, he created them. Everything's created with its reproductive partner. Whether it's a cow, whether it's a mule, or horse mule, that's, that's the line from Fiddler, right? Whether it's a horse, but not a mule, right? Not a mule, and the not mule proves the point because everything, because it's not a productive animal, right? You can't make mules. Because it's not, right, test tubes, right? Because it doesn't, because it's not productive, it doesn't work properly according to this system. So in this story, everything gets created so that the world can continue. But then we get to the next story. Okay. When, now, this is the second story. The second story, for those of us who don't know, the second story of creation starts in chapter 2, the second part of verse 4. Verse 4b, as they say. Right? It's a different story, different time, different creating verbs, different creating deity, different concept, not a discussion for now. You can take me for some good scotch and I'll teach you the whole thing. Okay. Um, when... Let's see, when no shrub of the field was yet on earth and no grasses of the field had yet sprouted because the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth and there was no man to till the soil, but a flow welled up from the ground of the water the whole, and watered the whole surface of the earth, sort of like California when I show up, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the earth. So now we're, we are forming, we're not creating. We're claimating, right? Here we use the, the verb, I can tell you, I don't know what I'm saying. Here, but you know, I'm not allowed to get to take questions in the middle, so no expressions. The, here we use the verb form. There we use, the, yeah, there in the previous slide, we use the word create. Breshit bara, create, only God in the Bible baras. Only God creates. Anybody can form. Like anybody, only, only God can make a tree. The text is very clear with its word usage. You're going to learn this about me. I'm a philologist. I actually do text. Someone was talking about the words. Okay? The words are really our path in. God alone in the Bible can create. Here, humanity is formed from the dust, formed from, pre, from matter that already exists in a different way. Again, a discussion for another time, but it's interesting to keep in mind as we move along, 
right? Um, God formed man from the dust of the earth. He blew into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Great. What do we need? We, now we need a reproductive partner. Okay. We're going to get to the fact that she's a woman eventually. Okay. So, um, the Lord said, I'm a... Uh, over here, God, the Lord God said, it's not good to be man alone. I will make a fitting helper for him. And the Lord God formed out of the earth all the wild beasts and all the birds of the sky and brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever man called them, uh, each living creature, that became its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle, blah, 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 blah. But for Adam, no fitting helper was found. Oops. <laughs> man needs a reproductive partner. God makes lots of animals. This is the part that you're not supposed to picture, okay? <laughs> okay, just don't tell me about it. The, but the text is clear. This is what we need. We don't have it. This speaks to, again, what we had in the first story of everything reproducing according to its own kind. Because the only thing that is man's own kind is, now you can speak all, woman, okay? The only thing that's man's own kind is woman. It's the only way you can make a reproductive partnering and that's what you need to do. Now again, we conflate it all in our head. We come up with the fact that there's a hierarchy of creation. Right? In the first story, there is a hierarchy of creation. You start from the low, you go to the high. In the second story, there is no hierarchy of creation. Right? But if there were a hierarchy of creation, you'd be going from the low to the high, which means man low, animals higher, woman rules supreme. Right? So that's not what's happening. Right? But we've put it all together in a bizarre jumble in our heads. And I'm not, just, I'm, not, you know, I'm not pointing the accusatory figure. That's what we tend to do. That's how we have read it through the ages. Wait till you see what I do with the Pandora myth, but that's for another night. Right? But it's the same sort of thing. Okay. So now we create woman, right? And the two of them were naked, the man and his wife, yet they felt no shame. Okay, that's important. Now we get to the serpent. Okay? And you know, I don't want to read it because I'm, I've been given a time frame. You know the story. You can read it as you, know, as you want. But basically, they've been given permission to eat everything. In fact, Adam has been told to eat everything except one particular tree. Right? This tree he should eat from, he doesn't. Right? And then we have the whole incident with what goes on with the serpent. You know the story. It's kind of fun. We'll talk about it in another talk in a, in a larger detail. But basically, um, let's see. Uh, then the woman saw that the tree was good for eating and a delight to the eyes and it was desirable. She took the fruit and ate it. She gave it to her husband and he ate and the eyes of both of them were open and they perceived that they were naked and they sewed together fig leaves, not one leaf, not Velcro, many of them, and made loincloths, right? So they're wearing Depends made out of fig leaves, not just one with some tape, 
They heard the, that's what it looks like in all the pictures. They heard the sound of the Lord moving about in the garden at the breezy time of the day, and the man um, and his wife hid from the Lord the God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you, stupid? And he replied, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. They never felt shame. Right? They hid because they were afraid. Right? We think of naked as a shame. Right? Because it says they, we read this to ourselves as they felt no shame, but they should have. Nowhere in the text does it say that. It says they felt no shame. They were afraid. Okay? And we'll, we'll get to that in a, in a couple of slides. Right? Um, and then, you know, did you eat from the tree? And basically, Eve takes the rap for what she did, and Adam does what men do so well. <laughs> blame someone else. But now you all think that he's blaming Eve, but he's not. Who is he blaming? Look at it, caution. God, the woman that you gave me, right? Like, it's just so wonderful. I have an article that about the sort of the psychology of male and female talk, right? And it, it's the same today as it was then, Mars and Venus altogether. Okay. Now, what you have, this is clearly not Bible. <laughs> it's a metope from um, Greece. You have what we call a hero's gamos, a sacred marriage. Not that Adam and Eve are a sacred marriage necessarily, but you need a coupling, a, a, an appropriate coupling for there to be fertility in the world. Adam and Eve stand as a paradigm of that. They stand in for that within the understanding of the creation of the world. If you're gonna start taking the text literally, Right, where you have one male and one female, and then she has three sons. Okay, there's a, now there was a blank space on the podcast because I just made a face. Okay, but really, think about it. Don't think about it, okay? Because that'll put us in the newspapers, never mind, right? So, but really, that's not what the text is doing. The text doesn't want us to take it literally like that. The text is showing you a concept. What's the concept? Power. Who's got the power? Someone's flashing. Um, the power is God's. God made the world. God made the people. God made the world work in which it works. And you need all of these pieces for the gears to keep going. And that's just what a sacred marriage does in the mythology, I was going to say theology, but I mean mythologies of the other places. So here you have Zeus and Hera, because in most places you have, not every place, but in most places, and our next slide will prove that it's not every place, you have a sky god and an earth mother, right, Mother Earth. But again, that works to it, the world's understanding of its science. Because after all, the sky fertilizes and the earth 
brings forth. And, and it's the same thing at the beginning of um, the Canterbury Tales, but we're not doing that literature. <laughs> well, it is. Okay, so this is, the, this is the proof that it goes the other way. This is Egypt. Um, and in Egypt, uh, it's the earth that fertilizes. That's Geb. And Newt is the sky goddess because you need to have the other half. Right? The earth fertilizes because it's the Nile that floods. It's the Nile that fertilizes itself, so the land is in effect self-fertilizing, but you need the female aspect because you need that coupling, you need that reproductive pairing in order for the world to continue, whether it's the fertility of the animals, of the plants, the people. And so you have Newt, who's the sky. So now why are they afraid when they're naked? Right? Naked is vulnerable. Naked is what you do to prisoners. This is a Syrian, this is a Syrian relief, and you can see these guys are, it's really kind of gruesome. They're impaled, usually through the back of the head, sometimes here, but frequently here. Uh, and obviously these are prisoners, these are the soldiers, these are the prisoners, they're bound, and they're being put up because that will keep people from rebelling and the like. The Assyrians were really, really nasty dudes. Right? And here's another picture. This is a, uh, a siege with a siege engine. And you can see here again, we've got three impaled naked prisoners. And what's sort of fun down here is that these are the enemy. The enemy is naked, but they're all wearing helmets. <laughs> okay? But again, it's a sign of degradation. Right? It makes you vulnerable, it makes you powerless, you are afraid when you're naked. Except there are always exceptions. Right? So except if you're in Greece where uh, naked is heroic or powerful. Right? <laughs> hey, the pictures have to be funny, you won't come back to other lectures. Wait to the last one. Okay, so naked in a powerful way, and this is only boy naked, not girl naked, right, is powerful. So either you're vulnerable when you're naked or you're powerful when you're naked, okay? And that's situational, right? Um, these are, okay. Come on, who said whoa? This one you say whoa for, not the other one. Okay. This one's clearly comic, right? But these, the, you know, this, this is another vase, right? These are, these are actual, not, you know, uh, in the vases. Herms are, they're called herms for the god Hermes, and they're set up along the roadside. They're set up on lawns. They have a protective aspect to them. And we'll talk about them more when we talk about the... Um, I, don't, I, I think it might be in the uh, Execrations and Omens talk. I don't remember which talk. But these, again, it's, it, you'll excuse me. It's a teaser tonight. <laughs> okay, that was funny. Okay. <laughs> and I had to tell you it was funny? <laughs> All right. All right, now, right? If this is the... Bleh, right? <laughs> it's... Yeah, how many of us can read it? How many of us know what language it is? 
oh God. Okay, it's right, but this act, this is actually Ugaritic cuneiform. It's not Akkadian cuneiform. This is alphabetic cuneiform. No, Sanskrit's an alphabet. Sanskrit looks very, very different. Um, but this is this is a uh, a tablet of a myth called the myth of Adapa. Okay, and the reason that I the, the whole myth is rather interesting and sort of fun, but there's an important piece here, and the important piece has to do with the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life, et cetera, that we have in the biblical text. Remember I said they were supposed to eat from every tree except for one, but they didn't eat from every tree. They didn't eat from the tree of life. They ate from the tree of knowledge, -uh, but they were supposed to eat from the tree of life. In the ancient world and virtually all the ancient literature, Humanity loses its chance at immortality either by eating the wrong thing or not eating the right thing. Again, we in our brains think that Adam and Eve were creator, cloddling and Eve, because uh, Adam just means like clump of earth. So, you know. Clumpo and Eve. Um, again, another talk, but you see, then you're going to want to come back. The, we think that they're created to live forever. But if, in fact, they're created to live forever, you don't need a tree of life. I don't need a magic pill to make me a short New Yorker. Thank God. I need a magic pill to make me a slightly taller, auburn-haired New Yorker, okay? It's a slightly taller part that I want, all right? But I don't need a magic pill to make me who I am. You don't need the tree of life if, in fact, you're living forever. You're already living forever. They don't eat from the tree that they're supposed to eat from. They eat from the other tree, okay? Adapa. There's this whole myth about Adapa, and ultimately he's supposed to, he's, the, the gods trick him and the gods offer him the food of life. He thinks it's the food of death, so he rejects it. Ha ha, joke's on you, humanity. You don't get to live forever. So I have a piece of, you see, I like it when things fly in. Want to see it again? Watch. See? I told you, I'm a child. Right? Um, he, the god Ea, made broad understanding perfect in him, Adapa, to disclose the design of the land. To him he gave wisdom, but did not give eternal life. The god Anu's heart was appeased, he grew quiet. Why did Ea disclose to wretched mankind the ways of heaven and earth? Give them the heavy heart. What can we do for him? Fetch him the bread of eternal life and let him eat. Come, Adapa, why didn't you eat? Why didn't you drink? Don't you want to be immortal? Alas, for the downtrodden people. Right? He had been offered it. He thought it was the food of death. It was actually the food of life. He turns it down. Mankind loses his chance of living forever. And then, of course, this should be Persephone. Yes, it is. That's Persephone and her husband, Hades, and again, with the cornucopia, right, the cornucopia over here, 
um, and that symbolizes fertility, right? So you have the fertility and the and death all together because she eats the the pomegranate seeds and so therefore has to stay in the underworld, and again, you eat or you don't eat the right or the wrong thing. And again, that's what's happening in our story. Okay, so now we've, come, we've discussed sex. Not enough. We'll discuss it more. We've discussed death, and now we're going to discuss magic. Okay, you still with me? Okay, so this is an East Coast school. Okay. But there are some worthwhile things on the East Coast, okay? I'm not sure this is one of them, but whatever, okay? So this is, this is the um, Luxi Veritas, Light, Light, and Truth, Urim and Tumim, or Thumim, as they say in, up in the Haven. The Urim, the Urim and the Thumim, uh, which is annoying. And they don't even know what it is, but whatever, that's how they pronounce it, because that's what they are. The Urim and the Tumim, the Oracle of God. Now, Oracle is one of these bizarre words in English. Yeah, I know it's a computer company or whatever. Don't know much about that. But Oracle can be a person, not a noun. It's not a person, place, or a thing. But it can be a person. Oh, you know what? It can be a person, place, or a thing. It can be a person, the Oracle is the person. Apollo's Oracle at Delphi is the Pythia. Right, the priestess. It can be the place. Apollo's oracle at Delphi is the temple at Delphi. We're not going to discuss that today, but we'll discuss it another day. Right? Or the oracle can be the message. Right? So it can be, it, the oracle is a noun. It can be a person, a place, or a or a thing. Right? But we're not exactly sure how all of those oracles worked. But that's magic and the control. Okay, so this is a, not an ancient picture, <laughs> but we don't have ancient pictures from the Bible, right? This is uh, Saul and Samuel, and this, boys and girls, is actually a girl, go figure, right? That's the so-called witch of Endor. Right, the spirit woman, the necromancer of Endor. I did not paint it, trust me. Right? Um, what is one, one of the many things that's interesting is that she really is not an attractive woman at all. Okay. And we're going to talk about one of the talks is the striking issue of beauty. We'll talk about that during our month together as we will talk more and more about um, these texts. Okay, so this is, the, this is the text of this. We're going to read it very, very quickly just for some of us who don't know. Everybody knows Saul was the first king of Israel. Saul pissed off God. God said, you're not king anymore. David's king. Saul's like, now I'm still king. And God's like, now David's king. So there's a little bit of a problem here as to who is king. By us, David's king. By Saul, he's still king. And Saul needs information. Okay. And Saul inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. That's how you get information from God. You get information from God by dreams, by Urim, which are oracles, or by prophets. Okay? And the story goes on. Saul goes and he 
uh, gets this necromancer to raise the spirit of the dead Samuel the prophet. And of course, it's been outlawed, right? Necromancy has been outlawed. But he says, ah, don't worry, the king's not going to discover you. She calls up the spirit of the dead prophet. She realizes then that it's Saul, the king, who has tricked her to have her call up the prophet. And Samuel basically says, excuse me, I'm dead. Go away. Right? I'm not working for you anymore. I'm done with this gig. Leave me alone. And doesn't give Saul any information. Right? You can keep reading as I'm talking because it's Bible. It's more interesting than I am. The Many things are important here, not the least of which is in this context, there was the understanding that these things worked. The Urim worked, right? The oracles worked. The dreams worked. And prophets worked. And you could go outside the system and the ghost lady, witch person, raiser of the dead spirits. I mean, she's called, uh, she's called a necromancer, a ghost woman, right? but we translate it as witch. Right? Um, the necromancer works. In effect, the seance is real. Now, I don't know if you go to seances. I don't want to know if you go to seances. It's the left coast, and you do things strange out here. So I'm afraid to ask the question. Okay, But we would, we would, in a large context, I hope, understand that seances are like the movie Ghost that doesn't really happen. Right? The, but in this context, it can and it does. It's outlawed because, think back to our words in one of the, I think it's the second or third slide, control and power. God needs to keep the control and the power. And if you go outside of the system, you're taking away her control. You're taking away his power. And that doesn't work. You've got to follow the cycle. Okay? And again, these are things that we're going to talk about in many, many ways as we move through, I want to say, our semester, our abbreviated semester together. Okay, so that's the end of it. Why do you ask me, you know, seeing the Lord has turned away from you, go away, I'm dead, leave me alone. Okay, so how do the Urim work? Right? They work... <laughs> They work very much, this is also not ancient, they work very much like the magic eight ball. Okay? This, of course, is ancient, and these are, I have doctors here, but I'm not going to embarrass you because there are just so many of the damn things, they're ankle bones. Okay? Uh, they're ankle bones, right? and they're concave and convex, and you sort of shoot them like dice, well, those are how my grandfather would shoot dice, right? Um, and you ask the yes-no questions. It's like the magic eight ball, right? The, the magic eight ball can only answer certain sorts of questions. The magic eight ball can't say, you know, you can't ask it, what should I wear today? Because it can't tell you to wear your red, black, white, and sparkly shirt. It can only say yes or no. Right? You can say to the magic eight ball, should I carry an umbrella? Poo, poo, poo. Right? And it can say, yeah. 
right? Or it can say no. It can't give you specifics. That's the way these work. Who stole a calf one fine morning? Right? Again, there's Bible stories. Right? It can't do it that way. But it can say, did someone in the room steal the calf? Was it someone on this side of the room? Was it someone who has been with the Community Scholars Program since the beginning? Was it someone who's very proud of the Community Scholars Program? What are you doing with the damn calf, right? right. That's the only, it's like that, the, the children's game, you know, who is it, what? Yeah, it's like 20 questions, but, it's, but there's another one where it's like, are they wearing a red hat? Are they wearing a guess who? Right? It's like the guess who sort of game. That's how they worked. Okay? And these are ancient right, uh, bones that you would toss for the answer. But you couldn't do it, and you couldn't do it. It had to be somebody who had the power, so to speak, to do it. This, so wonderful. This, children, is a poor. As in? Yes. How cool is that? That's uber cool, right? This is an, this is an Achaemenian, I can't pronounce that damn word. It's from the Achaemenian Empire, I can do it that way. Poor, it's a lot. And this is what the type of lot they would cast for Purim. It works the same way, right? Oh, we're gonna spend so much time with these in, some, in the oracles, in the oracles and, and execrations talks. Oh, they're so great. These are liver omens. Love liver omens. They're so weird, um, and you would you'd sacrifice a you'd sacrifice a sheep. You'd take out its liver. You'd read the damn extra, and it would give you information. And and they're 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 models, right? They're models that show you if it looks like this, it means that. If it looks like this, it means something else. But it all comes from the gods, because the magic, right? What we would call magic, right, comes from the gods. It's not prestidigitation. It's a form, right, the sleight of hands. It's a form of communication. It's a form of inquiring of the Lord, finding out what God wants within our context. There's also an aspect of it which is controlling the forces and controlling the universe so that what you don't want doesn't happen, or what you do want happens. I'm getting close. Okay. Oh, I love this. Um, <laughs> this is a, I love so much of it. Again, we're gonna talk about this in greater detail um, in some of the other texts. This is, some of you might be familiar with it because it lives in the Israel Museum. This is one of the two amulets with the Birkat Kohanim, with the priestly blessing on them, right? That uh, the oldest sort of texts that we have of the Bible, but neither of them are exactly the same as the biblical text, right? That's one of them unrolled. That's the two of them. And what I have marked here is the divine name Right, which is on the text. Of course, if you come to some of the other t uh, lectures, I will give you a teaser now. I will tell you that this is a total ripoff of an Egyptian text. I know, it's so upsetting. Right? But is, it is the, the blessing, the priestly blessing is a ripoff from an Egyptian funerary text, but it's protective. 
dated to 2050 BCE. Right? It is protective, and that's what magic can do. Magic can protect. This was found in a grave context. It was found in a grave context as an amulet to protect you. And if you go through Jewish literature into medieval times, the commentaries on the Birkat Kohanim, on the priestly blessing, you know, uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you, from what? Right? From where go the questions? And the answers come from in the Yalkut Shemoni, which is a medieval compilation of commentary. See, I didn't say Rashi, but I did say commentary. The, the understanding it is, at least through medieval Jewish thought through to that period, is that it protects you on your journey to the next world. It protects you from Gehenna and what will, you know, what the things that, what I like to say, go bump in the night. The things that are problematic to you in the next world. Because you have to be protected in death, from death, and during death. Because if you don't take care of the dead right, everything gets messed up. We've got talks on that too coming up. Okay, this is almost our last slide. The next one is really the fun one. This is, though the, the museum catalog says it's a Hebrew text, it's not, it's an Aramaic text. It's what we call a Babylonian incantation bowl. And we've got a couple of newlyweds here. Anybody get anything like this as a wedding present? <laughs> and you would have. You would have registered for it because this is protective, right? It's in a spiral. It's sort of like a, like a coil. It's sort of like a, an animal trap. And what is it trapping? It's trapping all of these icky things, these demons and problems that you have. And this one in particular, you would take and you'd bury it upside down because where do the icky, demony things live? Down there. And then, you, you know, the trap. Right? And you could bury it in the corner of the house. Sometimes you'd bury it under the marital bed because it would protect you. Because it's the magic that protects. Right? Because magic can control, magic can protect, magic can be cast. And again, we'll be looking at all of that as we move along. And now for our, and I did it exactly 45 minutes, our last slide. Okay, because I needed you to want to come back for more. Okay, the, it's, I guess it's a little, what the, 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 the words on the side aren't anywhere near as interesting as the picture. I just, I took some um, quotations from the Gilgamesh epic about uh, sex and uh, the, the fun of sex and that you need sex for, to have a good life. Uh, and they're all sorts of, I call these souvenirs, right? Nobody's exactly sure what they are. They're little mud um, and clay plaques. And they're all the same, but they're all different. And we'll see any number of them during the semester. And I just think, semester, you see, that's what, I, that's what you get from a college professor. Well, any number of them in different talks when we are together, never on a Shabbos, um, because I can't do PowerPoint. Um, but they're all, they're all the same, and they're all different. Right? But the, this is considered one of the best forms of contraception in the ancient world. Okay. And, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Um, and on that note, we've put together sex, death, 
and magic. I hope you've learned something. I hope you enjoyed yourself, and I hope I'll see you again during the month. And now, quest I, I take questions. Wait, oh. oh, yeah. I have, yeah, right. I'm taking questions. But they have to be, this is what I usually say at the beginning. They have to be relevant, and I'm the arbitress of relevance. Oh, yeah, they have to be. I just assume they're going to be questions. I have faith. Sir. The, uh, the, the, the first two chapters of uh, Bereshit. Uh huh. One of them uses uh, yud heh vav -Hey, and one uses Elohim. Uh-huh. So is it possible that they came from different sources? Yes. <laughs> but I wouldn't use possible as the, as the, as the, as the word there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say is it possible that. I would say they are. Dif they're different texts. They're different stories. They're different stories that come together. They're from a different time period. Interestingly enough, the, you know, the, the first story is an, a later story than the second story. The first story has a clear Persian overhand. It had to have been created or at least redacted after the second story, but you have to put it first for a narrative context because you can't go from the Garden of Eden to in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. That just doesn't make sense. Sometimes the Bible takes its stories and goes like this, as it does in the flood narrative. Right? If you know, if you know the flood narrative, you know the, Noah, right? Which is appropriate for my weather in <laughs> California. I was going to say Canada in in California. In the flood narrative, you're going like this. You're intertwining the stories. You got 40 days and 40 nights, but you also got 150 days. It's like, hello, I don't do math, but I know that 40 and 150 aren't the same thing. You have, right, uh, they come on the, 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 the boat two by two, right? But what happens when you get off the boat and you sacrifice something when you only have two? You, then you don't have, you right, then you have no more unicorns. I said that once and people believed me, okay? It's amazing, it's true, right? But so, you, so in another rendition of the story that gets inter, interwoven, you have two and then seven, right? Because of the kosher animals, because then you're gonna sacrifice and then you don't want to extinct a species. So sometimes you're going like this and sometimes you're going like this. Sometimes you're putting them side by side. And that's what you have in the first two chapters. One, one to two, four, A and then two, four, B, forward. Could you talk about Lilith? No. Okay. And why not? Who said it? Brenda gets the answer. She's not in the Bible. Lilith is not in the Bible. So where does she come from? She comes from the imagination of the people who need to make sense of the Bible okay. in a box where you have to make it all make sense within that box. Okay. Because otherwise, you have Adam, Eve, and three boy children. Oops! <laughs> Becomes a problem. Yes, in the back. When you deal with sex in these lectures, do you touch on... Do I touch? <laughs> do you touch on the issue of homosexuality or only heterosexuality? And would, in particular, the Judaic uh, aspects or 
stance with regard to homosexuality tie into your theme of power? What do you talk about the Judaic sensibility of homosexuality? Where? I live in Greenwich Village. Hello? Right? The, 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 within the Bible, within the ancient world, it's a problem to be a passive partner. That's it. Does that tie into issues of power at all? It doesn't, it's not necessarily power at all. You have Jonathan and David, that's not power. You have Gilgamesh and Enkidu, that's not power. You have uh, Achilles and Patroclus, that's not power. That's reality. You would no more have a hero without a, what we used to call, well, I didn't used to call it, but I've been told it used to be called a battle buddy, then you would have a hero without a shield. That's just life. And it's contraception. Well, and all oh men, Spartan war. Right, but it's, but it's, again, it's a form of contraception. Sex with women can give you babies. Sex with man can give you fun. And that's, and I mean, that's, that's one of the regular ways of looking at it in the ancient world. It's, we're Puritans. They weren't Puritans. We, not me. <laughs> I suspect we're not going to solve this issue I'm about to bring, but I think it's important to bring it. And you can sigh all you want. I'm going to tell you what I do. I know. <laughs> Everything that you discussed based upon the Bible starts with a translation. English. No, 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 not every, no, 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 not me. I put up English because I was, and maybe I made the wrong assumption that I, everything starts from a translation, that, that, that my audience needs a translation, but everything, everything, no matter what language you're dealing with that I discuss comes from the original language, whether it's the Adapa myth whether it's Homer, whether it's the Egyptian, whether it's the Hebrew, the easiest of the languages, whatever it is, when I'm dealing with it, it's from the original text, in the original scripts. So let's just go on one of them and speak about Hebrew. Because I was reading with interest the translation of English, and probably both of us will agree that if there were five translations of the Bibles, they will not be identical in English. Therefore, when you talk about bara, created, and yitzor, formed, you probably, in an open mind, a moment of it, will realize that some people that have a control of the Hebrew language may not agree with your translation or the translation of the I wasn't talking about a translation. When I said that only the Kaddish Baruch Hu can bara, I was talking about a concordance search where you go through every usage of the word, and it has nothing to do with translation. It has to do with usage. So that the verb bara is only used in the Tanakh of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. It is never used of a person. That's a fact. You can call bara uh, cane. Uh, you know, I was saying woman with a cane. You can call bara clicker. 
whatever you want to translate that as, only the Kaddish Baruch Hu can click because that's a word that is only used of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. I started by saying we're probably not going to agree. But that's, I mean, that's not, a, there, there's nothing to agree or disagree. That's a fact. Because I can't finish the sentence. Yeah, but you're starting from an erroneous assumption. <clears throat> I actually think you do. Okay. <laughs> because Hebrew, bara, you spoke about two separate stories, the one of bara and the one of Yatsar. When somebody who speaks Hebrew or understands Hebrew may disagree and think that it's exactly the same story because they mean exactly the same thing. In modern Hebrew, of course. Just like if you're going to talk about modern Hebrew, you're going to talk about Yehezkel has a vision and he sees Chashmal. There's no way on God's green earth, right, that Yehezkel, Ezekiel, saw Chashmal the way someone who speaks Hebrew understands the word Chashmal, electricity, right? Because it's modern Hebrew, it's a different language. It's the same as modern Greek and Attic Greek, and modern English and Old English, or even Shakespearean English. You can understand a whole hell of a lot of it, heck of a lot of it, excuse me, right? a whole bunch of it, but it's a different language. The words are different, the grammar is different, the usage is different, and the modern language is pulled from the ancient language with the purpose of it being understood as one, rather than as what it was. And the way you look into the biblical text, just as the way you look into any text, is to look at the way the words were used in that corpus of texts. So a word, uh, for example, um, the word, but any, any word that sort of changes its usage, it, awful. Awful, is that a positive or a negative? It's generally a negative in modern English. It's generally a positive in old English. Anyway, right, and awe-inspiring, right? A, you know, wherefore are thou, Romeo? How many people think that kids, especially in school, when you start teaching it in sixth grade, at least when I learned it, it was in sixth grade, right? It's how many people thought that meant, where are you, Romeo? She's standing there going, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? It means, why aren't you George? Why are you Romeo? Right? So you can't start the discussion, you're starting from a, from, from a foundational problem that modern Hebrew is biblical Hebrew and that a modern Hebrew understanding speaks to understanding the biblical text any more than anybody who can read modern English can understand Chaucer without working it. Isn't there a commonality in the two creation stories that's almost word to word when God says, I'm making you in my image? Isn't, doesn't that occur no. in both of those stories exactly like that? Nope. And the second story, in the, what you need in the ancient world to create people usually is dirt and an aspect of the divine. In the first story of creation, which patterns itself on the on 
Persian duality. It's all by fiat, right? It's creation by word. Fiat, I know, is a car. But it's creation by word, right? In the second story, God cre uh, forms man from the dust or the dirt or whatever you, the Adama, whatever you want, the farm in arts, whatever you want to call it, right? The clay, he sort of claymates man, right? And if I had, you know, Google here, I could show you different pictures of how it's done in, you know, in Egyptian mythology and in, and in Egyptian, you know, I said Egyptian, in Greek mythology, whatever. You claymate, and then you add an aspect of the divine. So in Mesopotamia, you add the blood of a slain god, Kingu. Right? In Egypt, it's um, Knum on the potter's wheel. In Greek, uh, it's, uh, there are all sorts of different things, but it can be Zeus's sperm and whatever it is that, that, that is an aspect of the divine that creates the person. And in our story, it's the breath that gets blown into the nostril. It's the breath of life, even though we think it, the breath of life comes from the throat. It comes from the nose in the ancient world. In, in the, when we were looking at the biblical text, you focused on Adam and Eve, shame and fear. Traditional Christian theology then uses that for sin. Was that a concept that was also in this? No. The, okay, the question, is, the, the, the question is, Christian theology takes the biblical story and, and makes it into sin. Okay, sin is, the way we understand sin in English is a, is a New Testament uh, concept. Eve being evil is a New Testament concept. The, the Nachash, the, the serpent being the Diablo, the devil. A devil is a Christian concept. We don't have a devil. We don't have any of that. And we don't have that sort of sin. The chait in the Bible is the same thing almost as hamartia in Greek, which is an erroneous action. It's the, you know, they always, they always say it's like the missing the mark. You know, you're aiming for this, you hit that, right? It's not the same concept as we get through in the, um, in the New Testament and into Christianity. And now I have to end and say goodnight. <laughs>